This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to XYZ, XYZ, whatever you want to call it. This is the podcast for people into CNC and machining, 3D printing, whatever it may be, anything that has an XYZ access with myself, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and Aaron Goff of Goff Customs. How are you, Aaron? Going good, mate. Very good, well. Good, good, good. A bit sleep deprived. We just, we just got a puppy. Oh, oh, geez. Yeah. Oh. So is that more noise we're going to hear? So we're going to hear the cat and the puppy now. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully <laughs> what, not. What kind of puppy is it? Uh, I don't know. She's a mix of some kind. She's very cute. She's brindle. I can tell you exactly how cute she is, actually. She ate my AKG headphones, and I'm not even <laughs> mad at her. Oh, wow. She must be cute. Okay. Yeah, That's fair cute. enough. How old? <laughs> uh, I don't know. About eight months or so. Oh, um, lovely. And she's a tripod. She's missing one front leg. Really? Yeah. Oh, did you get it from like a rescue place? Yeah, she was found in a in a forest. She's been hit by a car or something, and her leg was broken oh, in like geez. three places. Oh, so she's only geez. been a tripod for about three or four weeks. She just learned how to jump on the couch the other day. She's doing pretty good. Is this some sort of experiment for you, so you can 3D print some sort of harness leg or something? I like do that? actually want to do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, we didn't get imagine. it for that reason. We didn't, like, you know, take off our leg. <laughs> That's not the purpose. <laughs> just so I can print a, a new one. No, I, have, I do have a buddy who's um, a prosthetics technician. So uh-huh. um, we might, we're, we're going to work something out, I, I hope. Anything for these YouTube vids, eh? <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I've seen actually that. Um, I've, I've spoken to a few friends who, when you know, with lockdown over being at home, it's like the perfect time to get a puppy. Um, right. But apparently, it's just been quite difficult to get hold of to get hold of dogs and puppies because um, yeah, cause there's such a demand. Thinking the same way, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so what did you call the the tripod? Tilly. Tilly the tripod. Tilly. Nice. Very so nice. Cute. How are things with you, mate? <laughs> um, good. I'm very good. I've had a really sort of positive week. Um, quite a way. I was quite down last week. So mm-hmm. um, this week has been good. I've been doing a bit of exercise as well to get the sort of blood pumping in the mornings and um, getting up and sort of facing the world with a big with a big hit. Nice. So it's, yeah, it's it's been good. I've been working on um, like a one-off knife, which I very rarely do. Um, I was sort of in this funk of doing, you know, orders you know constant orders of basically the same stuff for months and months and months um so yeah i thought let's just take a bit of time out and work on something just be a bit more creative so so that's been really nice and that's finished now so so i am back on the orders but with a, with a newfound vigor let's say yeah it's all good that's good yourself uh yeah i've been productive i've been um working on orders the same as usual but some new stuff thrown in there as well um mm. i've been officially starting work on the resolute mark 4 the new, the oh. new resolute oh. so yeah for, Is... first step on that's been like redoing all my cad drawings from 2015 which has been yeah. a bit nuts so so is the difference the major difference in the production as opposed to the actual style of the knife yeah i mean if you looked at the two and you weren't like really good with your eyes you know super super attention to detail then you probably wouldn't see much difference but there will be quite a few under the hood changes got you got you um, i'm very intrigued about your bit of a teaser you put up on instagram of possible having transparent sheets oh, yeah, is that right you'll, you'll see 
Oh. So, not Kydex. I, I, I won't press you too much because I know it, they haven't been released or anything yet. <laughs> so, an alternative to Kydex, I'm assuming, is it? Secrets. Big secrets. <laughs> okay, I won't press you at all. Okay. <laughs> but it, it sounds very cool anyway. It sounds very yeah, cool. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I, so, I polished up the, the uh, thermoforming mold that I used to, to make my Kydex sheaths. And it was kind of fun, mm. kind of relaxing. Just sat there, watched some TV, and wet sanded that thing up to 1,000 grit. Nice, yeah. nice. So, when are we likely to see any uh, results from this? Couple do you of think? months. Couple of months. Oh, come on! Even waiting. Come on, big tease. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm looking through the notes that we have here because, um, yes, listeners, we do we do try to have some sort of order here, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, and we, we've got a bunch of things, and it's mainly 3D printing um, about. 3D yeah, printing. I'm all 3D um, printing, and there's right a reason. Now. There is a reason for that, because we were going to have a guest today, um, which is going to be um, in maybe in a week or two's time. Um, we won't tell you who, but it's, it, yeah, quite a big noise in the 3D printing world. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be probably quite 3D printing focused. Um, and, and the first thing we've got on the list here is um, pellet, pellet extruding. Yeah. So, um, obviously, we're used to extruding, you know, the, these big sort of wires, these big uh, reels of filament. Um, but pellet extruder, I, I haven't seen one. Have you seen one in action? Yes, I have actually. And it's worth noting that like pellets are the way that plastic comes. Like if you're mm. injection yeah. molding or whatever, you're never going to get you know filament. You'll always get pellets. So the interesting thing about like, let's say you could magically have a, a 3D printer that perfectly extrudes pellets. All of a mm. sudden your material is way cheaper, way cheaper. And there's like, a thousand different types of material like whatever you want you can get it um because you you know there's tons of stuff out there and you don't have to wait yeah. for it to be you know turned into a, a filament um and to give you an idea of how much cheaper it is so there's a company called 3dx tech that make really high-end 3d printing filaments um and their carbon fiber nylon filament is about 98 dollars us for a kilo Whereas you can buy pellets from them as well. So they, they sell pellets so you can compound your own filament um, and extrude mm. your own filament. And the exact same carbon fiber nylon, a kilo of pellets is like 24 bucks. Wow. So 25% of the price. Yeah. Wow. That's and that's probably on the high but end. Ha- like if you just went on eBay or went to a plastic supplier, you know, you could probably buy it even cheaper. Yeah. I mean, I've been looking at the the pellet extruders, and and you've linked to one, which we'll put down in the in the show notes there. Um, but you're talking about five hundred bucks for the actual extruder. And that's cheap. There are other ones that are like three grand, wow. four grand, five grand. Wow! And are they just sort of gravity fed, like you'd have a big hopper yeah. and you just pour in the pellets. Yeah, that that's the most wow. obvious way of feeding them. You can feed them with vacuum systems and stuff to like transport the pellets from mm. larger bins. Um. But yeah, the I, I think gravity feed makes the most sense. But there's a ton of advantages there. Like the material's way cheaper, so you can use a big nozzle and really big prints, and it it won't cost you a whole lot. Um, especially if you were going to print like PLA. PLA is like twenty five bucks for five kilos or something. You know, like in, in pellet form, maybe yeah. even less. Um, and then you know if you're running out of pellets, you just pour some more in. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And I'd imagine if if you get you know some sort of valve system going, you could have some different colors, and you make some nice sort of, um, yeah, really mix them up in in any sort of way you yeah, want it. That could be pretty cool. Yeah. 
So yeah. yeah, it's super super interesting idea. The one disadvantage of it is that um, because it's not a filament, you don't really have any way of um, doing a retraction. So at the end of each right. segment, when you're 3D printing, you're like squirting out the hot plastic, and then you get to the end, and normally the printer will execute a retraction, so it actually pulls the filament back, and that yeah. kind of suctions the molten plastic out of the nozzle area of the printer, so that it doesn't leak any plastic as it moves to the next bit. So yes, yeah. yeah, without retraction, you get a, a fair bit more stringing and so on, and... The other reason that, like, so, so, um, lots of companies like Prusa and so on, they um, really accurately control the diameter of their filament, and the reason that they do that is because, you know, you're you're pushing a certain amount of filament in terms of length, and if the diameter varies a lot, then volumetrically, you're extruding different amounts of filament. Right. Yeah. And in fact, I've just had some delivered this morning, some PETG mm. from uh, from Prusa, and they all come with a little QR code. And because they, they make it all in-house, they've got their own extruding units there. Um, and you can actually see um, all those details yeah. so that, you know, the, the temperature is extruded at, um, the, the diameter, exact diameter. Um, and e even down to the color, they, they make sure that if, if, if you're using, you know, a, a certain color that if you were to buy a batch in three months time they're going to make sure that it's exactly color matched yeah um it's, it's incredible what they do there yeah and and unfortunately you know for a pellet extruder because you're basically using a, a screw to squish molten plastic through a nozzle um i don't think it has the same level of accuracy in terms of volumetric extrusion so right, that means yeah. like the the outside walls of your print will be a bit less even than they would be with filament but you know, if if you're printing like giant things, then maybe that's just not a big deal. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. It was yeah. super. Interesting. And you know that 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 sort of five hundred dollars for the extruder, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? If 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 they're making more of them, they'd be far cheaper. Yeah. Um, and it only takes one, whether it's Prusa or MakerBot or something, something like that, to, to you know make a sort of desktop version of that for those prices to come way way down as everybody basically rips them off and <laughs> does their own cheaper version. Right. Yeah, I just yeah, I think it's super cool. I like, I was looking at it because I was like, whoa, what new materials can I get? So I've been printing some some fun stuff. I've been, I think I said last show, I've been printing carbon fiber nylon. Mm. Um, which is actually, honestly, it's super easy. I, I've been really impressed at how easy it is to print. And then going to um, just plain nylon with no carbon fiber, and that stuff is the most horrible shit. I do not want to print it anymore. Mm. Like, it's it's impossible to dry it almost. Like, I, I've, I've literally had a reel of that in my oven at 90 degrees Celsius for 24 hours now, and it still prints like it's wet. Oh, jeez. Um, and like the adhesion to the bed is not good, and yeah, it's it's terrible stuff, and it looks like shit oh. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's amazing to see the, these different things that we can print on. And I saw this week about people printing ceramics, mm -hmm. which sound which sounds impressive anyway. Did you actually read the article? It, I saw. So I read through the link. Yes. Yeah, yeah and I, I've got it open now. So not only are they printing ceramics, they're printed in space. <laughs> In space, so I think they're using sort of a SLA way of doing with, with a resin, and they're and they're sort of resin printing the mm -hmm. um, the ceramic, um, but they're using it to make turbines, which we talked about last week. You know, perfect three D printing is perfect for things like that. Um, yeah, incredible. 
Incredible. Super cool. Living in the I think I think unfortunately that article is a little bit of a a, a press release because I was reading through some bits of it and they're like <laughs> uh what it says like now that we are uh, printing three pre pre ceramic resin. I'm like mm. <laughs> pre-ceramic what's a pre-ceramic and then they're like this will drastically increase the uh production of ceramics in space from zero Mm. to something (laughs) yeah yeah well they say they're printing components on board the uh international space station now um but yeah as to what a pre-ceramic is (laughs) right yeah i i love i love the idea i just hate it when companies release like you know uh, I hate I hate press releases, man. They're stupid. <laughs> well, I'm just reading the article now, and it's just full of yeah, red wire technology, red wire technology. Yeah. They they just yeah, promoting the hell out of themselves. Synergy, yeah, corporate but, synergy. Yeah. yeah, but again, we put all these links down in down in the show notes, so um, you were just gonna have a look as readers. What the hell? You know what? That my wife released a book this week, oh. so we've been talking about readers a lot, that's, that's but. Nice. Um, Listeners, listeners, it's different media. This is a different media. So whilst we're talking about space, um, rockets, 3D printed rockets, I think you've seen something this week. Well, not this week. It's been around for a while, but it's just fucking awesome. Like we don't, it doesn't <laughs> have to happen this week, you know? Yeah. So there's this company, um, I think they're just called Rocket Labs. Um, they're originally from New Zealand and they have this very cool rocket um, called the Electron. Um mm. Which is, so normally they use all sorts of interesting turbines and stuff that burn fuel in order to power the turbo pumps, which feed more fuel into the rocket engines. And these guys were like, well, let's just use batteries. So they actually use like big ass lithium polymer batteries and electric motors to to drive their pumps that pump fuel into the rockets itself, which means it's much simpler. And then the entire Mm. rocket engine is 3D printed. Yeah, wow. it's very, very cool stuff. There's a bunch of companies that are working on that now. Um, because it, it just, like, rocket engines are incredibly expensive to produce. It's, like, basically, like, super fancy plumbing that has to go to space, you know, and there'll be, like, thousands <laughs> of pipes in a rocket engine. So if you can 3D print it mm-hmm. all in one piece, then, like, why wouldn't you do that? You know, yeah. and you can, you can... So, like, ro- lots of rocket engines, the nozzle of the engine... It has to be cooled, otherwise it will melt. So they use what's called regenerative cooling, where they actually pump the fuel through channels that are in the nozzle before the fuel goes to the fuel injectors. Um, and that actually helps like heat the fuel up and make it easier to burn and atomize and so on as well. But like the way they used to make those regenerative cooling channels was they they would you'd start with like one thousand pipes. And then they would bend them all and then weld them together. And then, you know, like it was just incredibly, incredibly labor intensive. And now you can wow. 3D print, a, you know, an, an engine that has the nozzle with the regenerative cooling channels right into the nozzle as part of the printing. Wow. Yeah, so- super cool. We, um, back before the whole sort of knife making thing, before I was doing this, um, back in Wales where I lived, um, my wife and I used to, we opened and we, we run this like a co-working mm-hmm. space where people, you know, for makers, people could make stuff. And um, on the weekend we had, it, it was called Founders Hub, mm-hmm. um, but we did this thing called the um, <laughs> the Founders Hub Space Agency. So the idea was people would bring their kids in and we were going to, the whole thing was it would run for five weeks. 
and we'd say, how are we going to be going to get into space? How can we just get into space, take some photos and come back down? So we had kids from sort of five years up into sort of, you know, and their parents, so right up to whatever age. And um, so the first week, everybody's coming up with these different ideas. And, you know, we, we knew how we were going to do it anyway, because you can buy the packs, you know, the, the helium balloons mm. and the boxes and all the rest of it. You can, you can buy those things. And um, so the first week then, everybody's like, rockets, rockets. So we got those, you know, those little explosive rocket packs you can yeah. buy. And they go up. They go up like crazy. And we, ha- we had people making little, like, Arduino um, like ignition packs for them so you could be, could be a fair distance right. and it would, it would, you know, make a heat which would then do the igniters and we and we'd send them up. That was so much fun. But I was amazed by these little explosive rockets, how high they went. But the kids then soon realised, well, we're not going to get into space doing that, you know. So, yeah, we ended up doing the, the whole helium balloon thing and we, we bought the whole pack. So it was the, it was the helium balloon. It was the, um, like, the... The, the formed plastic box to put all the, right. all the all the gubbins in the GPS trackers and all that kind of thing, um, and I just think it was that was so cool. We, we ended up having a few photos, and you know we we spent the day tracking these things to see when they'd land. We sent four up, mm-hmm. and we we had to have special um, licenses as well to do it because obviously it was it, you know it goes up to a certain height and it could be in airspace and all the rest yeah. of it. Um, but I just think, imagine now having been able to three D print rockets. Like, if, if it's available to anybody, can you imagine? It's, just, yeah. it's like you know, before drones were available to everybody, you'd think, well, there's no way everybody would be allowed to do that. You've got to be thinking, there's got to be some sort of legislation coming that would stop people just no. <laughs> going up into space. Well, where do you go for a license to go into space? You know, it's crazy. Go talk to the FAA. It's not that hard. Yeah. Where are you going? Just into space. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry. Um, speaking of 3D printing ceramics, so there are um a whole bunch of like ceramic resins out there for SLA printers. Um, so you know mm. you could, it, it's basically as I understand it like uh you know a bunch of really fine clay powder suspended in a binder and then you you print with it and then you fire it. Um, and there's a particular rocket engine design called uh vortex cooled rocket engine where you inject the oxygen around the periphery of the chamber in order to keep it cool and there are people on youtube that are 3d printing um vortex cooled rocket engines um (laughs) yeah and then running one of them one of the guys like i i just i love people like some people are just nut bars you know and i know i was like this when i was a kid like my parents let me buy a bench grinder with my pocket money when i was like 13 <laughs> and then they were like oh yeah just run an extension cord out to the like the picnic table down there and, and you know go wild i don't think i had safety glasses like i don't i don't i like i i know i injured myself and hit it from my parents you know like but people <laughs> yeah. like this that you know this guy's um running a friggin' rocket engine on um he was running i think it was like liquid oxygen and propane in his in his like bedroom <laughs> you know no no safety glasses in sight i i don't condone it but you know i do i do <laughs> love that people are just you know doing shit wow yeah but where's, yeah. Where's some as, as it gets more and more more and more affordable and available to people it's it's just going to be crazy it's going to be a free-for-all up there <laughs> i think it's still quite hard to get into space easy to make something go you know high up and and whatever but space i think is if it was easy everyone would be doing 
I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, like they're so- they're um. SpaceX are actually trying for their next launch uh, today, I believe, which will be yesterday in listener time. But um, mm. yeah, Starship SN9 is supposed to be serial number nine. It's supposed to be doing its test flight soon. And what's what's the purpose of that? What's the, what are they testing for? Um, you know? To not blow up. <laughs> the most obvious yeah. of all things. Yeah, they're going to try the same thing as last <laughs> the last one, SN8, which is that. So they're basically doing like a miniature. Uh, flight test so they'll take it up to a certain altitude and then do the belly flop maneuver and come back down and then try and do propulsive landing so they yeah, light the rockets which is super cool yeah and last time the, the they had an issue with pressure in the header tanks feeding fuel uh, or not feeding fuel as it were and then they had a bit of a explodey moment so um mm. this time i think they're gonna try and have 100 percent less explosions nice so these are unmanned i assume no, they they put people in them. You just hope for the best. Wow. Okay. No, they're unmanned. Wow. <laughs> what do you? Who knows? Stronger. Who knows? I, I don't. I don't know. Would you volunteer for that shit? The first. I, I certainly. Yeah. Wouldn't. For, no, not well, test I mean, flights. we don't really know if it's going to work. We don't really care. But do you want to get in it? No. <laughs> no, it's all sacrificial computers. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Fair Maybe enough. some talking about trained sacrificial. Hamsters. But no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talking about sacrificial computers and, um, you know, sacrificial as in, as in cheap, reusable, um, almost disposable. Um, Raspberry Pi have released their microcontroller. Yeah. Um, which they're calling the, the Pi Pico. Yeah, and it's only four bucks, which is crazy. Yeah. And you can program it in C or MicroPython, which is very cool. I, mean, I have one friend in particular who will like that because he refuses to use anything other than Python. You know who you are. Right. <laughs> Obstinate bastard. Um, but yeah, it, it looks really cool. Uh, so like, it's a custom silicone design from, from them, from Raspberry Pi. Um, and yeah, it seems like it would be a decent replacement for an Arduino in a lot of applications. Yeah, and, and these were, well, the original Raspberry Pis um, were actually manufactured back back in my hometown in oh, Cardiff. Nice. This, this small dot of a place on the planet so they were very is where they were making them. them. Probably, <laughs> but I mean, four dollars for a microcontroller. Yeah, um, it's, it's a bit nice. for about five or six, though you can get the Pi Zero, which mm. is basically a full-on computer. Yeah, you know? the different applications, though, right? Like the the Pi Zero runs yeah, an operating yeah, yeah. system, and so if you need like you know your code to do something in real time, that's not mm. a great choice. Whereas the, yeah. the Pico would be so. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious what what integrations there are between like the standard Raspberry Pi and the Pico. Like, do they is there some sort of um, ecosystem there where they integrate better than an Arduino would or something? Mm, maybe I don't know. Don't know. Mm, but I've got. I mean, I've got a bunch of Pis here. You you know, for a bunch of different mm-hmm. things. Um, mainly for play emulating um, '80s video games, but you right. know. <laughs> They do the job. <laughs> I'm looking through the notes here, and the next thing, I don't believe you. I, I simply, factually, it cannot be correct. It's got nothing to do with CNC, and it's no, got it nothing to do with machining or computers or space even. But I just don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, apparently octopuses only have six legs. They have two <laughs> arms and six legs. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it blows my mind. I don't know. The coolest thing, though... Two arms, four yeah, legs. I, so the coolest thing, though, is how they found that out. 
Like I had to, I was like, how do you find out whether an octopus has two arms? So they should be hectopuses, yeah, I suppose. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what they did is they they put an octopus in a tank, um, like a little you know aquarium tank, and then they pointed mm. a gun at it and they said, "Put your hands up." <laughs> Stick yeah. your hands up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, I couldn't of resist. Of course. No, um, <laughs> apparently they only have six legs. Yeah, I, it's, it's not at all wow. CNC related, guys. I swear to God, we'll talk about CNC in a minute. But like, you know, what the hell? Hectopuses. Who would have thought? Yeah. All right, let's talk about CNC, some CNC stuff for a minute. Okay, I guess. Okay, I I know you've been you've been working on some of your old. You talked about earlier yet some of your older sort of CAD drawings. Yeah, and it's really interesting going back. So like my original CAD drawings for the Resolute for the the hunting knife, camping knife that I make. Um, I did those drawings in 2015 when I was just learning CAD, which is such a bad idea. <laughs> like it's you know the most important drawing, and you you learn it while doing it, but you know. That's how. That's it's the best way to yeah. learn on a on a practical project. Yeah. I think it's the best way. Um, but yeah, I went back and and started refactoring uh, those drawings because they're just they were very unwieldy. You know, nothing was named properly, and everything was in weird orders. And you know, so if you wanted to change something, it was a lot of hunting around. And the so in Fusion, you have the timeline of your drawing. You have all the operations that you've done in that drawing at the bottom. And when I started the the timeline was three and a half screens wide. Like, it was just massive. And now it's less than one. Um, at one mm. point, I refactored 12 separate operations into just two. You know, so... Um, uh, yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised, though, how easy that process was. So, like, the first pass through that only took about three hours, which is... I was expecting to spend days on it, you know? Mm. Um, but, yeah, so now I'm doing some of the harder stuff. Like, I... I will say if if you're going to use Fusion, um, which you should, and if you're going to use components, which you should. So if you're, mm. let's say you're making like a little boxcar racer or something, you, you'd have one component for the body and then one component for the wheel, and then you would make like multiple instances of that wheel component. Um, just do yourself a favor and make the components before you start making any sketches or anything like that. Um, I did it ass backwards back in the day where, you know, I would make a sketch. I would extrude that into a solid so you have a body. And then I'd make a component yeah. from that body. And the problem is that that means that your sketches and your original extrusion belong to the, like, parent component, not to the wheel component. Okay, yeah. Right? So you yeah. end up with this, like, stupid structure where sketches aren't where you expect that they should be and it turns out that undoing that is really difficult so like that's that's the thing that i'm trying to fix now and it, basically what i'm literally having to do is like go back and create components earlier in the timeline and then redo all of the operations after that um in the correct place because you can't actually like move them around easily so got you got you well i've actually been doing a course on fusion oh, nice. this week i started um, so I don't know if you know Bob from I Like to Make Stuff. Um, it's a YouTube no. channel. Um, and basically he makes all sorts of stuff um, from electronics projects to like beds, mm. you know, basically anything. Cool. Um, but he's, he's a bit of a whiz with uh, Fusion 360. So he's made this this online course. And it was cheap. I think it was like $80 or something like that. 
um, and it'll teach you, you know, from if you've never used it to, you know, being quite proficient. Hmm. So I, I, I think it's probably about a 40-hour course. Um, I've done about 90 minutes so far. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> it's just finding that time. Right. But um, what I'm really interested, something he's talking about is when you're making your components – um, using, I can't think of the phrase that, well, or the, the the terminology of it that he was that he was using, um, but basically putting all your dimensions in. So when it, when you look at the whole project, let's say you needed to resize mm-hmm. something, everything would resize, yeah. Yeah. Um, a, you know, proportionally. And I can't remember what. Can't remember. Generally, that that's was, refer- that's referred to as like being parametric modeling. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yes, which I think is quite exclusive, isn't it? To, to no, Fusion, no, it no doesn't SolidWorks seem to get does anyone. that too, and I'm sure that other cap- packages oh, right, like okay. Bobcat or whatever do. Um, yeah, oh, right, so there's okay. like history-based modeling, which is like SketchUp. You know, so you mm. you create a box and you add a cylinder on top of it, and you know you you size those things at when you make them, but then afterwards they don't they don't they're not like inherently linked to that size. Yeah. Um, and that's my sort of always been my approach using things like Tinkercad right. and, and, and things like that. It's it, you know very basic. Yeah, and you are not going to believe that you spent so long doing shit that way. Honestly, <laughs> like I, I'm sure that you've had points where you like, you know, you have to change some little dimension in a drawing, and then that means that you have to like recreate all of those bodies, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that was what I was used to because I, I learned SketchUp before I really learned anything else. And, you know, I was like, oh, this is it. It's not too bad. But then you get into like a bigger drawing and you're like, oh, my God, you know, kill me, please. Like, this is horrible. Um, yeah. Whereas in like SolidWorks or Fusion, um, you would like you make a 2D sketch and you would dimension that sketch. So you'd say, you know, oh, I'm making a box mm. two inches by three inches. And then you extrude it one inch, whatever. And then you place uh, uh, a cylinder on one face of that in the center. And those are all linked by constraints. So your cylinder is linked to the center point of that face. And if you go back in time, like you scrub back through the timeline or you double click on a dimension and change it. So now it's like two inches by two inches. The box will resize and then the cylinder will move so that it's still in the center of that face. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually helping a friend uh, the other day who is also learning fusion and he designs furniture and he was struggling a little bit with how, how to like structure things. And I walked him through and I said, okay, so now you want your table to be, you know, three feet long rather than six. So just change that one dimension. And he did. And then, you know, you hit enter and it says like calculating and then the whole drawing changes and your legs are in the right place and your, your, you know, all your curves are still there, all your chamfers and radiuses and stuff. But like, now the table's a different size. And he was like, holy shit. Because he's been doing all of this furniture design in, in SketchUp. And that means that like every time a customer comes in, they're like, oh, I want that table, but it has to be like six inches longer. He either has to manually yeah. fudge the drawings for his guys, or he has to like basically redraw that thing. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think my thing, my sort of downfall has been um, with any sort of new software or anything that I'm trying to learn is dive straight in and when i get stuck mm-hmm. go and find something to help fix this specific problem yeah i do that a bit too. then move on but i mean what that doesn't teach me is is the fundamentals you know so so i'm hoping this course will you know slow me down 
and say, look, start in the right way. And like you said, structure is, is quite a big thing with infusion, yeah. making sure you're getting that structure correct. So, yeah, so hopefully that's going to be a big sort of bonus for me at least. Yeah, because, like, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what, what order you can create the components in, but, like, knowing that you should create components and that, you know, so you can change between which component is active, like which component you're working inside. And mm. it's pretty easy to like forget that you're, oh, you're on the wheel component, but you're doing work on the body of the car. And then all of the history for that work is in the wheel rather than the, the car body, you know. Yeah. And then long term, having, having stuff messed up like that makes it really painful. Um, which is almost what you're working through now. yeah so like my original yeah. drawing um so you can imagine a knife and it has the blade and then it has the handle scales the hmm. the um there were three components in this drawing but the blade sorry the handle scale component was inside the blade component and then the second handle scale component was inside the first handle scale component so what that meant was, like, right. when I drop that, that CAD drawing into another design, so, like, a fixture or something, right, and I want to turn off the handle scale, <laughs> like, I, I can turn off the right handle scale without turning off the left, but I can't turn off the left handle scale without also turning off the right. Gotcha, um, yes, yeah. You know, and I can't turn off the blade without also turning off the handle scales. Like in terms of, because you know, a lot of times you'll you'll want to just machine the blade, so you want to like turn off the visibility of the handle scales so that you can machine them. You know, you can position the blade and then machine it in this one operation. Yeah, and yeah. because I screwed up the structure, it just meant that like it was constantly a hassle to deal with. So I probably should have fixed it a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the other one is like, as I said previous, I said this in a previous episode, but. I previously went crazy with um, having every component in a separate file. Um, yeah. And then that means that, like, every time you up update one file, you have to manually go in and, like, say, yes, I want to pull in that update in the other files. And then, <laughs> so I had, you know, my knife model, and then I had individual components of my fixtures, so, like, the different fixture stations. And then I had one drawing that brought in the individual fixture stations and assembled them and then brought in the knife model. So, but it meant that I had like, whenever I updated the knife, I had to bring in the knife models in that. And then I had to update each of the individual fixture stations and then bring oh. those in. And each time you do that, each time you actually change the physical model, you have to go through and regenerate all of the um, tool paths and everything. And if you're like changing stuff around too drastically or if you know things aren't linked nicely then the tool paths might lose their association to like a particular face or an edge or something so it yeah it was just a fucking nightmare um you know it, it just it, it's one of those things where it's you have to learn right and that's fine and in a job shop this wouldn't have been a problem right because you you do a cad model for someone and you use it for you know a week while you're doing production and then you would like get rid of it and you would do the next thing but because i've been working mm. on the same stuff for years yeah every iteration yeah you need to go back yeah. in yeah. yeah and that cad drawing where that has all my fixtures and everything that has like 560 iterations like 560 saved oh, versions right? so 
Is this is it like final one, final two? This is really <laughs> final three. This really, really no, is the final no. four. I, is that your name in structure? I, I gave up on that a long time ago. It's, it's a living document. You know, every day I think about something. Oh, I could change that. You know, make a change. So, yeah. but it was really nice doing the refactoring because then I was like, you know, oh, what happens if I change the blade bevel like this? And it was all of a sudden it was like a two minute change. You know, and the wow. and the recalculation yeah. of everything was like super quick. So yeah, it's it definitely pays to like learn the, the how things are supposed to be structured. Mm. Now what I'm finding with a lot of um sort of tutorials, you know, a lot of sort of YouTube videos, that kind of thing as well, um, regarding fusion is they're based on um almost like furniture yeah right you know that kind of thing um whether you're not really for machining um it's literally just so you can get your plans mm-hmm. together so I, I was thinking what would be a good model for newcomers like me who will be eventually be machining these things and i think a knife probably probably is a good one isn't it because yep. you know there's not too many unless it's like a folding knife which I mean, that's the goal, to be able to model a folding knife and then be able to use the animate feature and being able to, you know, to do all that kind right. of stuff. Um, but, yeah, if you're just doing sort of a fixed blade, it probably is a really good model to start with, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's not too bad. Like, it, it, it um, someone that's new at CAD will have trouble making the blade bevel often, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can explain how to do it. It's, it just may not be the best in a uh, podcast format. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, basically what you want to do is, like, Make your blade profile, you know, just the 2D kind of blank. Extrude that so that you've got, you know, a a thick blank, like you would, you know, cutting a knife out of a piece of steel, but you haven't sharpened or anything yet. Yeah. Um, And then where the plunge line is going to go, you actually create a sketch going through the the blade, like from, from edge to spine. And then make a triangle in there that is like the negative of your blade bevel, like the area that you're going to cut away. And then sweep that that sketch along the edge of the blade. So it cuts away the material to make your your bevel. And then you mirror Mm -hmm. that. So one one thing you should always think try and think about is like rather than drawing something twice, look for um ways that you could do it using a pattern or a mirror. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the really nice thing about that is if you go back and you change the drawing on the first side, it automatically happens on the second side. So it's just, it feels very natural. Um, but that's it. Like, it, it, once, once you realize how to do it, it's very, very straightforward. But yeah, like someone that's newer at CAD trying to make a blade bevel in Fusion is often a bit of a sticking point. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which, which brings me on to something which... Um... It's been bugging me for a while now. So, so as you know, I've been looking for a machine, an affordable machine, and you know, I've now committed mm-hmm. to the the Onefinity, which I'm really glad. Actually, one of our listeners um, has has replied to us saying that they've recently recently had one, mm. um, and they're really really happy with how sturdy it is and all nice. that. That buyer's regret that I originally had, I, I think I don't have with this machine, thankfully. Um, but what I'm seeing, particularly with um, with routers, so, so CNC routers as opposed to right. mills, are some are saying like 2.5D yeah. and some are saying like true 3D. And I can't get my head around the difference between these. What I imagine this meaning is um, 2.5D will do 3D, but in a very sort of linear way, almost like a 3D printer would. Mm. Whereas 3D will sort of contour 
on demand. Yeah, if that makes yeah, you're sense. not wrong. I mean, basically, what it's saying is like a 2.5D machine can really only move two axes at a time, right? right so okay, it can move yeah. the x and y, and and you know, cut out a, a pocket with a flat bottom, um, and it can do that at different heights, but it can't move all three axes at the same time to you know make like a a 3d carved face or something gotcha um yeah and yeah stay the fuck away from 2.5d machines <laughs> because you're gonna really quickly outgrow a 2.5d machine and yeah and the problem is that a lot of the tool paths that are like really nice for a machine like that need 3d machining so if you were let's say you're doing something really simple like machining a square pocket with a flat bottom you have to like get the end mill down into that that pocket and the nicest way to do that is with a helix right to mm. to do a helical bore um you know to a particular depth and then start cutting outward toward the edges of the pocket but a helix yeah. is a 3d move so you can't do that on a 2.5d machine Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my head was was virtually there, but you you just explained it a lot better than I possibly could. Yeah, and I so I have a friend who had a two point five D machine, and he grew frustrated with that thing very quickly. Um, mm. so like, yeah, you can do a ton with them, right? Like, if it's that or nothing, then yeah, sure. Like a two point five D machine will work. And I even know machinists who have two D machines. Um, so like a a Bridgeport milling machine that's been converted to CNC, but the Z-axis hasn't been converted. So you have to, like, manually yeah, set yeah. The, the Z height, you know? And, like, they do great work with them, but I would never willingly choose that over a, a yeah. 3D machine, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, yeah, I mean, you, you do what you must, but, like, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. I mean, my goal with this machine, as, as I've spoken about before, is for handles. Mm -hmm. Um, so my handles aren't really shaped that much. There's, there's obviously a radius around, around all the edges. Um, but the only other sort of shaping on it, I suppose, is, is that bit where the, where the junctions towards the blade, where it sort of sweeps back at 45 degrees there. Um, so I'm pretty sure that this machine will be fine for that. Um, but yeah, I suppose if I want to do more sort of sculpting. So the Onefinity machine um, is only 2.5D? I'm not sure. I'm going to check now. Let me check. I can't imagine it would be. Infinity CNC. Yeah, we can all listen to Craig type type in this. Your... This is good radio. Yeah. This this is good radio. Did 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 specifications. Let's have a look. You're about to get buyer's remorse in three, two, <laughs> live on it. <laughs> um, I can't see actually. Um, it doesn't really list in the specifications. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully not. I mean, one of the things is too that like that's just a, a software controller thing, right? So if if it was like yes, limited yeah. to two point five D because it was running Gerbil, Garble, whatever it's called, which I don't <laughs> think Gerbil is actually limited to two point five D. I don't think that's a thing. But oh, here we go. Three D visualization visual, visualization of G code paths. So I'm going to assume no, from that, that. That means that the controller will like mm. show you the G code before it cuts it. Ah, okay. Ah, right. Just yeah. visualization. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Fing fingers crossed, Greg. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it doesn't actually. No, I don't say. think we want to listen to you read the spec sheet anymore, <laughs> you bastard. 
Uh, so what what have you got planned for the week? Anything special? Um, I'm going to be cranking the next couple of days, actually. I I have been very productive this month so far, and I sent a batch of Blades to DLC last week, and they are just about to come back. Um, fingers mm. crossed that it will be not shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so those are... Uh, I'm trying to get those ready for like the end of the month so that I can list knives that are like basically done the, the dlc coating that mm-hmm. you have can, can that be any color no no it cannot right okay it's it's always it's yeah always so black. for those listening i mean it's so dlc stands for a diamond like carbon so they're basically it's a, a vacuum like a vapor deposition coating so a pvd coating um and they're literally like it's super cool, actually. They use an ion beam to chip off individual atoms of carbon off a, off a sputtering target. And then those um, charged carbon atoms are attracted to the blades and self-assemble into like a, a layer on the, on the blades. Um, so it really only comes in two options. It, it, well, there's a couple. There's like black, there's a gray, and then there's like a rainbow. Um, so the rainbow looks like an oil slick. It's very, basically they achieve that look by making the coating quite thin and then you get like weird optical interference that makes it look like an oil slick. Um, Mm. It can look cool, but I'm not a big fan of that personally. Um, So yeah, I just try to go with the the black. With the standard black, yeah. Yeah, but there are other coatings nice. that are different colors, right? So like DLC is is one of one of you know many coatings that my coating supplier does. Um, so like you can get titanium nitride, which is gold. Like those you would have seen like gold drill bits. Yeah, those yes, are titanium yeah. nitride. Yeah. Um, then you can get titanium carbon nitride, which is a black version of that coating. Um, aluminum aluminum titanium nitride is kind of a purple. Um. And then you can change the colors a bit too by texturing. So like titanium nitride on a matte substrate looks like bronze. Right, um, yeah. The biggest issue is that many of the coatings can't be, like they have to apply them at certain temperatures. So like, and it will depend on the supplier too. So like my coating supplier can only do titanium nitride um, 600 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. Um, which is higher than the tempering temperature Your temper. that I use yes, for my yeah. blades. So I can't, I can't do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, DLC can be applied, you know, just under 400. So that, that's fine for me. Um, yeah. Nice. Nice. The only, the only reason I was thinking that is I've seen a bunch of knives this week, you know, people have been made and they've, they've been these various mm-hmm. colors. And I was thinking it's, it's a ceramic coating or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, just from your videos in the past, I know, you know, the ceramic is, isn't as uh, isn't as hardy as the DLC stuff anyways. So yeah. It probably wouldn't. Yeah, like Cerakote, the, you know, when people say ceramic coatings, they're normally referring to something like Cerakote, which is a, yeah, Cerakote, a yeah. fancy like two-part epoxy baked on paint that has like ceramic in it as a as a wear resistance mm. media. And I mean that stuff's pretty hardy, but if you use your knife like regularly, then it's gonna wear. And it's gonna like wear noticeably. Yeah. Whereas the PVD coatings like DLC, they're much, much harder. Like they're actually harder than the steel of the blade itself. So 
Can it be lasered? DLC? Yeah, I would imagine so. Because it's just nice. carbon. If you heat it up high enough, it'll oxidize. So, yeah, yeah. you should be able to like laser yeah. through it. Make patterns. Nice. Am I giving you ideas now? No, no, no. no. I, I, I've got nobody around here to do DLC. I've already checked to see if mm. anybody around here can do DLC. I've got, I've got this idea of... So I'm, I'm currently sort of prototyping a, a folding knife. And um, it's, it's quite cool, actually. I've been using the 3D printer to sort nice. of you know, prototype the parts and things like that. So I can have it in my pocket and see how it feels with the rough edges and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but I was thinking like all... At the moment, you see it everywhere. Just everything all black. Matte black, yeah. everything. And I was thinking that would be really cool to have everything black. Um, also, also find it difficult to find... Um, so uh, we're going into knife making now as opposed to CNC. And, uh, but like Corby bolts, um, anything other than brass is just basically mm-hmm. a coating on top of the brass. So by the time you grind them down, it's still brass showing through and stuff. But um, yeah, black. I'm I'm desperate to get something, something black that would be pretty cool. Yeah, and like, you know, so I, I have some friends that make like really high-end folding knives and mm-hmm. um, DLC coating of individual fasteners, like little screws and stuff is finicky you can do it there are companies yeah, that do it you can imagine yeah but yeah it's finicky yeah. for sure um yeah that sounds like fun cool so you've got these knives coming back from dlc yeah and then news. working on assembly and so on so yeah i'm just gonna be crushing that the next couple of days because i'm like i'm not really behind schedule but i'm a little bit behind where i'd like to be so. yeah yeah well i'm in the situation where I don't really want to be producing too much at the mm. moment just because I'm so uncertain of um, the oh, shipping. Brexit? It's just, it's just, yeah, well, with Brexit and just generally um, like customs, right. everywhere seems to be delayed, everything held up in customs. And the more I send, the more problems I'm getting. Because you're moment. just using so, the regular postal uh, service, right? We the, the, Yes, yeah. I've got very little choice here, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, so um, I found over the last year that the postal service, like, was previously pretty reliable for me, and then all of a sudden it was, like, from Canada to the States, you know, the, the customs and stuff would be, like, three weeks, which it, it's just, yeah. it's not. So, yeah, I switched to, yeah. DL, to um, DHL, and, yeah, yeah now yeah. shipments to the States are, like, next day, second day, like. Hmm. So we, we've got that that issue with customs, but also with Bra- a lot of my customers are UK right. based, um, and with Brexit there, and also buying stuff from a lot of my um, suppliers were UK mm. based, which I'm having to sort of look elsewhere now because there's like a thirty percent charge on top now. You know, all of a sudden <laughs> the stuff I buy is thirty percent more, um, and the shippers are actually looking for more money as well. So it's just it's just an absolute. Yeah, but nightmare. Brexit will be good for UK um, businesses. Who yeah, thought? Yeah. yeah, who? Which idiot yeah. thought that? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so I mean, production-wise, I it's 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 I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right. So what has been nice is uh, I've had a, a large order from a restaurant that I worked with a few years ago. Um, they've ordered again, um, which is nice to hear because you know restaurants are you know they've been mm-hmm. struggling. So this particular one is in Singapore, <clears> so I I think they haven't been hit too hard. Um, and it is good to hear that they are they're thriving. So that that's good news, and hopefully for for other restaurants, you know, to come. Um, but I mean, what have I got this week? So, <laughs> um, I I want to do more YouTube mm. stuff. <clears throat> so not because I think I've got <laughs> lots of good stuff to share, but I just really enjoy the process of um, just creating yeah, sure. stuff. And um, so like. 
like oh, yesterday, I spent four hours yesterday with a fish tank um, to make a little video, promo video for this this one-off knife that I've done, and uh, watching lots of videos, you know, how to shoot underwater and get, get really great lighting and all that kind of thing. I ended up with a fifteen-second yeah. clip that I could use after four hours. Yeah. But the whole point is, um, I want to be um, with regards to YouTube and all the rest of it. I want to be doing like everything. I want to be doing the uh, making the music, any music that I use. I want to, I want to make myself, mm. um, and yeah. So that's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna be doing this week. So I, it actually came just the other day. One of these um, little MIDI keyboards, one of these um, Akai MK, MPK MIDI. Of course, things. you need more toys. Uh, to make it, more excuses to get I more know, toys. I know that I exactly. Um, but you know, it's it's for you know beeps and thumps and all that kind of you know the kind of stuff that makes you know YouTube videos good. You can time. I'm looking forward to listening to your music like now. It. It's going to be full of beeps and thumps. <laughs> but I mean, like you, I'm I'm a, I'm a guitarist. I play guitar, mm, and right. but you know that that takes a lot of time to to write stuff. Whereas you know, I can just press a button on a on a and MIDI keyboard and instead. Thumps, so. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah so i'm hoping to get some youtube because i've been moving to this new shop now with it within a few weeks I'll, mm. I'll start that whole making of the new shop so i think that could be quite nice to sort of document on youtube and and all that kind of stuff so so yeah so using this um this time where i don't want to be shipping so much and i mean i'm not i don't sell anything locally here everything i sell either goes to the states the uk or the sort of arab emirates yeah. really you know that's where all my knives go um so whilst i'm you know awaiting shipping to sort yourselves out um which hopefully hopefully this is a blip um speaking to other other makers they're finding you know similar issues as well stuff being held up in customs and and so on so you know hopefully this is a blip and maybe it's covid related um i don't know but um using this time to to learn something new with the with the fusion course mm-hmm. and um, making some music and that kind of stuff. So yeah, so that that's my nice. week. Hmm. So we're hoping next week to have a a guest, which we should have had this week. We haven't so, had a good. <laughs> we haven't must, had good luck with guests. Maybe we should just give up. We have our listeners <clears> must <throat> think we're crazy because because we've yet to have a guest on the show. Um, but we yeah we've recorded with one and one we had a cancellation literally an hour or so before recording today. Um, but yeah, we're hoping um, to reschedule that one. Um, but yeah, if you've got any questions, maybe three D printing related, um, without giving it away, who this may be, um, send them over to us. We are xyz.cnc on Instagram, um, and we can make sure that we bring these up with our with our very special guest. I've got a big list of. Questions. I think we've I've got a huge list of questions. I've seen the notes already. I have. <laughs> I think that's a show. I think we've covered everything that we needed to. Um, we shall speak to you all again next week. And remember, give it, give us some sort of like feedback or, or rating up or vote or whatever it is on whatever podcast platform you're listening to because it really helps us to get sort of noticed by more people. The bigger audience we have, uh, the more fun stuff we can do with the show, basically. Yep. Yeah. And I know Jeff Fader will have loved my octopus dad, dad joke earlier on, so yeah. He can leave us another <laughs> <Really>? review. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for listening. We shall Have speak to you week, again Paul. next week. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.